Here we go. This is Always Remember The Mod State Podcast. And now, your hosts. All right. Well, that's funny that you you probably haven't heard that intro. I I should have heard that intro. Well, well, it's been a minute. Um, but that may possibly be the only intro anywhere with Richard Nixon and like techno. But I'm sure someone could. But that's who it is. That's Richard Nixon. Um, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. Fantastic. I know we've I'm been pretty excited. Good. We have been talking probably for the last hour. For those of you, um, welcome to the Mod State Podcast. Normally, but in some occasions, you, you are a friend of the podcast. Um, Candace Smith is back. And look, I have um I have easily promised so many things to this listener base, and pretty much all of them have not come true. I think we did some YouTube stuff for a while and I want to acknowledge that up front, but I, one thing I said is we are committed to bringing new voices to the podcast and you know, you hit me up in 2022 and you're like, yo, I want to do a podcast. And I was like, well, that's pretty interesting because, uh, you know, sometimes a good plan just comes together without having to try too hard. So, Obviously, mm-hmm. we said, let's do it, and then we put it off for a long time, and now we're here. So, to all of our Mod State old listeners and new listeners, I would like to officially welcome Candace Smith to the podcast as a contributor, um, as a potential host in the future for her own shows or series or whatever you want to do, but you're under the podcast uh, umbrella of of Mod State and, and everything that is Mod State, so thank you. Uh, and we're super excited. Well, thank you. That was a pretty great welcome. Awesome. <laughs> we have been talking about this for a while. Yes, that is true. And I would also just virtually like to just cheers you with this like small glass of wine I have here. Um, I was making stew tonight and I had to open. We've been like pretty, not like dry January, but like moderate January, which I would probably just need to live my life that way now would probably be best. Um, but I was making a stew called for a wine and I decided to have some. So, and you've got your rosé. So I do. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Well, look, I think we got a good show tonight. I don't think there's, you know, I think we'll probably wind up talking about a number of things that are going on, but, Mm -hmm. but by no stretch of the means is this a current event podcast it's I feel it it's more this episode will be more of like a predictive uh you know I really like often when I'm talking to people or like John specifically I always like to think about the future and make some predictions and I'm pretty bad at predicting things um but I think some things that I predicted about the direction we're going in America is is like really long so I, you know, 20 years, like what is the impact sort of like climate change and my stance on that? I think probably that's obviously has way long, worse long-term effects as opposed to like the destruction of potential democracy. But anyway, I hope that my predictions are wrong. My point is, I think we're going to talk about all of this and we're going to do some quiz stuff. Uh, that's something that I got some feedback on that was, well, I thought it was personally fun. Uh, and I got some feedback that it was, it was kind of cool and we should incorporate that a bit more. So on Britannica.com, not one of our sponsors, but if they wanted to sponsor us, they totally could. Um, you just let me know. We're going to do World History Women in Power <laughs> quiz. Oh, yeah. There are 20 questions, but it's timed. So the question is, do we, I mean, we don't have to do 20 questions, but um, because I am afraid of how many I'll get wrong. Well, we could let's s- not make that a contest. Okay, sounds good. Why don't we, let's get through the pleasantries here, and then we'll kick off some women in power quiz. All right, so as always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the Mod State podcast. For more opinion pieces and hopefully more to come in the future, head over to modstate.com where we have our opinion and written pieces. You get our opinions all the time. 
As always, thank you to our listeners across the United States and the globe. We appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, done. So, you know, we're not going to do women in power yet because I want to save it to the end. Because, you know, some people, they just check out. But they're going to want to either fast forward to the good stuff and they're going to miss the real good stuff. But, you know, we'll just leave it to the end. Um, I, I think sometimes when we're precasting, right? Like when, um, I'm, it's very easy for John and I, and then I think for you and and me as well to like, get like just sort of like peak and energy sometimes. And you just need to cut off the phone call and, and say, look, we, we need to just go because I'm going to have a glass of wine and I'm going to not care as much as I did in the moment, but it's really important to flesh out ideas. And one thing, um, you know, I had asked you, and I think it will tee up pretty quickly here before I just, you know, let, let you introduce yourself is what the hell's going on in America today. And you have some unique perspectives living in Texas and living in Texas your entire life and, and having a similar family background to myself. You know, a lot of this stuff influences how we think today um, and of course our environment, et cetera. Um, and, and so I'm curious on some of your predictions and I think we'll get into it. But first, I do want to stop talking and sort of let you reintroduce yourself or introduce yourself to listeners that maybe not have not heard you yet, but we'll be going through our catalog uh, to find <laughs> some episodes with you. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. It's good to be back. Uh, maybe do a real introduction. The last time I was, you know, on your podcast talked a lot about Israel and Palestine. Yeah, that I, but, I was trying to think, but it was Israel and Palestine, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was, which is a pretty niche subject. So, you know, good to meet everyone for the first <laughs> time outside of just that context. I was gonna say <laughs> um we I think we've established you as having some background in um art and I would say like middle I don't want to categorize it as like Middle Eastern art, but um like a pretty, and you've also spent quite a bit of time in the Middle East as well. So I would say you're fairly well equipped to be a subject matter expert in that niche. Well, thanks. <laughs> um, I did, you know, grow up here in Texas and that really informed getting into a field focusing on the Middle East, probably in ways that a lot of people in the state haven't. Uh, but I got my my undergrad at Texas Tech in art history, and please don't ask what my favorite painting is. <laughs> I didn't uh, even think to ask you that. It's actually a really common question. I yeah. usually get, "What is your what's your favorite artist? Your favorite painting?" And I'm like, hmm. "That doesn't really help because you know last year I was reading 16th century Ottoman trade documents." So, <laughs> so it's because you don't have one, right? Because I'm totally going to ask you now because I'm. I'm an asshole sometimes. I didn't even no, think I don't. Asshole. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I won't ask. Okay. So Texas Tech, art history. Yes. And then I continued and got my master's at UNT with uh, Nada Shabut, who is one of the world's leading experts in modern and contemporary Arab art. And there yeah. you go. Pretty good time. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I've worked a lot of jobs, done a lot of things been quite a few places. I'm working at a law firm and yeah. uh, transitioning into a, a career in law. There you go. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I One must travel many roads to find what you like. Or maybe the beauty is we never quite figure out what we will do with our lives. And it's never, it's always evolving. But you have certainly sort of tunneled your way into this like or just had this amazing journey to land where you are I guess it totally makes sense right but well I would say yeah you know, I I grew up in a in in Houston which is a it's an oil town yeah for better or worse I mean yeah it would be hard to not wonder how it impacts the world or or you know what in where this industry might lie beyond Houston uh, and what companies are here and what footprint do they have? And Absolutely. yeah, I guess I never really asked you how you sort of arrived at where you did. So now we know. And so does everyone else. So okay. 
<clears throat> what, you know, I've been thinking of our conversations um, over the last couple months. And it's funny because we haven't had a lot of conversations about maybe the broad US, I mean, even just geopolitics in general. I think it was always very much like, hey, this is happening. I think it's interesting. I'd like to talk about it. And, and we have, and, but we haven't really talked at huge length about, you know, domestic politics. And, um, I I guess I don't want to say it's because it's been crazy here. I mean, it's been wild and we still didn't have those conversations. Um, but I think as things in the United States got even crazier, when you think of like what's happening in states like Florida and Texas, sort of these proving grounds for uh, ideology or legislation. I'm not quite sure exactly um, that it just became really real. I started thinking about people I knew in places like that and how it would affect them. And a lot of things that we didn't think were actually going to come to fruition, like Roe v. Wade essentially being thrown out. And all of a sudden things we never dreamed of happening in terms of freedom are starting to happen. And it's hard not, I guess, I guess kind of like mind, like-minded people will eventually find their way to each other and have interesting heated conversation. I certainly say we, we don't really disagree on much. Um, so if you're looking for a good debate, I'm not entirely sure if you're going to find it on this episode, but I will say in subsequent podcast episodes, uh, there'll be much that I'm sure we will respectfully disagree about but that's the entire point of mod state is all mm-hmm. all voices are uh are to be heard nonviolent voices so let's let's talk about it <clears throat> i was reading the news today and the committee assignments are starting at the at the federal government level for those of you uh, for those who might be listening abroad and the uh republicans or the the right have a very slim majority uh, in the House of Representatives, but they are moving forward and creating committee assignments, and one being the House Oversight Committee, and it's chock full of, I be, believe, 15 to 16 representatives at this point that actually, um, did they did not want to certify the Biden, um, the, uh, they didn't want to certify the Biden election, and, and really have had some denial-type rhetoric, and now they're on the oversight committee. And I don't know if it's like a litmus test for the United States. I don't, I, I don't know if, if there's one good thing to point to that says, uh, yep, this is, this is you know, the direction that culture is going. I think culture is probably ahead of politics, but certainly it's divisive. I, I imagine it will continue to be um, throughout 2023, but I'm curious on what you think. And especially being in a place like Texas, where it really is this like proving ground and like an interesting place to be in terms of the direction of mm-hmm. culture or like one facet of culture. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because we we've talked about this topic a lot, I think off, off the air. Um, and maybe this is why I, I brought up, people always ask me what my favorite, you know, painting is or my favorite mm-hmm. artist. And that's, that's not really what you do when you're studying art history. Right. So, People usually tend to write that field off, but we're studying politics, economics, you know, throughout history. And you see these trends from before written history through today. And you're really studying what that looks like on a cultural level. And so there are trends that I do see today. And you and I have talked about this mm-hmm. that look very similar to certain historical situations in the past. And I, I, you know, I can echo your sentiments when I say, I hope it doesn't come to pass and I hope I'm wrong, but you know, prepare for the worst hope for the best. Right. So when you, when you look at, um, when you look at art, you're not just looking at the art piece necessarily to say like, this is uh, this looks nice or it's appealing. It's actually, you can pick up a lot based on the context of what's going on in culture at that time or in some cases, interesting art, maybe well, actually probably art at that time probably wasn't um, as revered as it is today, just given like the centuries that it's been around. But, but there is things to glean from art that will tell us a lot about yeah. what was going on. How do you, yes. <clears throat> so I think of that art, like 
I think of democracy, the French Revolution, um, uh, like obviously Greece, but it's very different. But what parallels do you see in like a democratic culture that you would see in art that may would that that there's similarities, but the governance style at the time, the equality at the time being very different, probably. Like what what are the similarities if that makes I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, it absolutely does. Um, maybe a good example to start off with would be 20th century art. You know, I remember my uncle asked me, well, he said, I don't get it. I don't get this modern art. I'm like, you don't, you don't have to get it. But there's a much larger context. So, I mean, you have the Cold War. You have the CIA funding the National Endowment of the Arts. They were basically ensuring that artists from across the world were coming to the U.S., and studying, creating art, working with other artists and thought leaders, mm-hmm. and to bring that kind of cultural imperialism back to their countries to fight this, you know, Soviet threat. So you see it a lot in like arts and crafts in Southeast Asia. You see a lot of the Arab artists were actually funded to come over and study in the States. So you see a lot of them in New York and California. So there's So it's almost yeah. like they would, if I hear you correctly, basically it was almost like propaganda tool in a way, Absolutely. but, but mm-hmm. I mean, propaganda is actually probably just a, a, a microcosm of the culture itself. Like the culture will dictate politics and, and, and all that stuff. It's, so it's really interesting that that would be a tactic that they would use. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah. So th- there's a lot more that you kind of see when you look at like visual you know, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know if we've talked about this. So did, did you ever get a chance to read the God that failed? No, it is a, I don't know if we've talked about that either. It's a so. kind of collection of, um, accounts by people who were in Germany. Um, and then at some points the Soviet union and it's, it's their story of, what it was like to live under, you know, I guess when Hitler came to power, what Germany kind of felt like and how that came about, the, the tensions in the country itself. And sort then of the transition. They were, yes. And it's, they were all communists and it's their story about how their experiences under communism during World War II and after, and eventually how they, they left communism. But they're, accounting of Germany is very interesting in the way it talks about the political and social structures. And I just remember when I was reading it, it felt very familiar in the kind of authoritarian versus progressive tension Yeah, that got very, very extreme. And you have all of these, these factions that couldn't agree with each other. It was like socialism and communists couldn't, they couldn't agree on anything. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of smoke and mirror sleight of hand that allowed everything to come about. Yeah. And it it feels similar socially. You know, there's a lot of factors that are not the same, but it's just an interesting, you know. Yeah, I I can see what you mean. I mean, obviously there are things different like social media, right? So other factors that play into culture in a way that it's impossible to make a comparison, but... Mm-hmm. It's like a distraction and it, and it can, mm-hmm. you know, like parents always were like, damn, those kids, you know, but there's always like a grain of truth to like something that seems to be lost for better or for worse from one generation to another. And, but, but there's so many parallels and through lines from generation to generation. So it's like, maybe it wasn't social media at that time, but it was something else, right? Something else, some other oh, distraction absolutely. or something like who knows, but what, it's funny that you mentioned media because one of the kind of key points that stuck out to me was the newspapers and the liberal media outlets. And what I heard talked about is a lot of those very liberal or progressive media outlets were Jewish owned and Jewish run, which is kind of forgotten in discussion of why there was such a reaction against Jewishness. And when you take into account that a lot of these liberal, progressive, very rights-based media outlets were run by 
you know, a Jewish population, it adds a dimension to why the government would have reacted so strongly. Because it, this authority, because yeah. it, it was it was an opposition, essentially. It was an opposition. Yeah. And that's why you see a lot of these a lot of them are Jewish artists, mm-hmm. um, but very liberal progressive artists that end up coming to the US mm-hmm. and kind of starting a new art scene in the US. And that's where you get pop art and this, you know. Yeah. I mean, postmodern art from. I mean, I guess maybe it's just being caught up in the hustle and bustle every day where you, you fail. I mean, in my space, I sort of fail to understand the cultural repercussions of like art or music, entertainment. And I think sometimes I get bogged down in like reality and, and I don't make space for that yet. I play piano and guitar all the time, but I, I guess I don't acknowledge the influences I've had when I do that and like what art can tell us about culture or what culture can tell us about art, vice versa, I suppose. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, you don't have to, to like art, but just it would, it's good for people to understand that it's a great litmus test. Mm-hmm. If you want to kind of see what a society is thinking and feeling at a certain moment in yeah. time. That's interesting. Well, look at in the first 20 minutes we've managed to really, drive home the importance of like if anyone was listening to this and they're like, I don't know if I should get a degree in like art or whatever. Well, we have just talked about all the things that I love about the dynamics of this world through the lens of this specific, you know, your specific viewpoint. So that's awesome. I, you know, and and I guess the point is not to derail the conversation, but (laughs) I mean, we're now in a reality, right? We're like Mm -hmm. art, in a, in a way is sort of being created that's being defined by who we are. Right. And it'll be interesting if we're around in 30 years to look back and be like, Oh, you know, NFTs <laughs> like, you know, was like a product of just this new phenomenon and medium by which we communicate and visualize and see things. Right. And it'll be so stupid because I hope it's stupid like that anyone, but, but maybe I don't know, maybe if I made a hundred million dollars off an NFT, I wouldn't think they're that stupid. Or maybe I think I just grifted and someone else is stupid. I don't know, but I'll be curious to see what is created based on what you're saying, what it'll look like in, in, in 20 or 30 years. And I, 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 I don't think this is the right like way to transition, but when you're talking about like liberal progressive outlets, um, you know, not, it isn't about being Jewish or not. I just think of like liberal progressivism in America today, um, the right, uh, it today. And I think mod states always prided itself in being, I think centrist is such a dirty word these days. Oh my gosh. If you go anywhere, Reddit, anywhere, centrism is like, like grow a pair of balls and pick a side. And I, I think maybe I'll be the one that's going down with the ship. Like I'm definitely left leaning. I think the entire listener base, if you haven't caught on already, like surprise, but we all come with a lean, right? It just, we talked about bias and stereotypes, all that stuff earlier on precast. And, but I I will just always come from a sort of a, a a, a closer to liberal bend in my viewpoint. Maybe it's because I'm in healthcare as a real, as my real job. Could be. Who knows? But, um, the one thing you had brought up is the idea of like how similar we all are. When you think of all these moments in history where you're like, dude, the alarm bells should be ringing. Uh, you know, Germany, the Soviet Union, all different places, but like things that are happening, China today, the surveillance state, like all these weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, that, we're not that much different. Like when you look at the spectrum, right? If, if the spectrum really was 360 at, at the back end at like 180, the fringes of both sides would look very similar and they probably would like roll into a room and be like, uh, what do you, you guys believe the vaccines aren't, they're like bad. Like we think it's the devil. Like, well, we just think it's, it's nanoparticles. Right. And you're like, well, that's, that's weird. I, I guess. Yeah, I guess that sounds about right. You know, and they're the same group, but they just 
have different environmental factors. They have different socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. They live in different places. But we're about to like, I don't want to say the C word, but like, not, yeah, like the civil C word. But like that, it seems to be that if we don't start understanding these fundamental similarities that we have, even in ideology, um, I'm not quite sure where we go. And I'm kind of curious through the lens of what you see the world, like where we are and if, if it's even possible to bridge those gaps because there's some, some of them are absurd and I'm certainly, I'll tell you a story, but I'll, I'll kind of let you respond first. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just sitting here like, huh. I don't even know, no, dude. This is what made I, me take such a hiatus on this podcast because I literally thought I was talking about the same thing every single episode and it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. And I, you know, it's funny you mentioned this. If the spectrum was, you know, 360, they, these two, these two extremes, extreme right and the extreme left. It's funny because you see those same populations end up following the same kind of grifter, pseudo psychology influencers. Pseudo science kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. They end up in these same spaces. But different gurus. Di- oh, no, no, the same gurus. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. It's, there is a... Is guru grifter, by the way? I don't think so, but well, I think they can be interchangeable in some instances. Okay, got it. So, <laughs> they, like, give me an example of what, what gurus are being shared. Or is it like... Well, there's a, there's a really are... famous one that uh, she's she's the holistic psychologist and she she makes a lot of claims that are not backed by science or psychology. Right. And you see a lot of right wing and left leaning people follow her. Hmm. And it's to me, it seems like. The effect of a bunch of people who are just not rebelling against what they perceive as the establishment, but there is this like tendency inside to want to run away from this, you know, the boogeyman of whatever. Yes. Yes. And I guess that's the, maybe a way to describe, there's like an underlying tension. And one thing I've always trust in distrust, right? Like Reagan, Reagan did a good job of that. But again, there are also some reasons to not be super trustful. Mm-hmm. But I think people are unable to sort of, or I think one of the problems is we've almost become so distrustful and social media is just giving us way too much information. We were never designed to have this much information. And um, there are like certainly things that we should trust the government doing and we can trust the government doing but there's also things that they've been complete pieces of crap about and we should not trust them. So it's like hard, but I think we're so black and white these days that, or we just want to hear what we want to hear that we can't, it's, we're, we're struggling to impart some logic in terms of what is a good idea and what's a bad idea. You know, I told you this, I said the other day, well, this is maybe my story. So I, I, uh, I was in my clinic and outside my office, there was a guy that threw on a, his iPad and it was like right wing talk radio. And I, I really don't care what you listen to. I don't, but I certainly think it's interesting because I don't tune into like AM, like Rush Limbaugh back on 760 WJR in Detroit. But it was something I hadn't heard before. And it was some host was talking about how climate change is now a way that the government is going to control you. And then went through these like lists of examples, like public health crisis, the pandemic. And all I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself two things. One, like, wow, that goalpost got moved. Like it got moved from the last time. Like I mind that switched off because the last time the climate change thing was, well, it's real, but it's not like entirely man-made. And that was kind of the last time I checked in. And now the new thing is like, yeah, the, the new thing is uh, it, it's control. And so it's hard to kind of keep up. And I wonder, I, th- I certainly think we see that like on both sides. It's like, it's hard because I think the goalpost does get moved. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So I mean, it's interesting that those are your, 
your two points kind of a well it's not entirely man-made versus it's a control thing because another one that i've seen more than anything is that it's fake Mm. and that it's heralding a cold age and this is completely this is a side topic you may want to cut out but you know having (laughs) grown up in a pretty conservative church (laughs) it's so interesting to me that a lot of these climate deniers are you know the right-wing pseudo-christian groups and they're they're so against climate change i'm like have you read the part of the bible where it ends in flames because it aligns with your beliefs, yeah. supposedly, which all is just really interesting to me that those two ideas are so at odds at odds in their belief system. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just an example of if a cognitive dissonance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cognitive dissonance. It's, it's one thing I like worry about all the time with myself personally. And I just wonder, I don't know if, again, it's that like underlying tension. It's a need to be angry about something. And I think it alludes to something deeper that I've, I've I've talked about with John before. I think it really is more of like an equality thing. And I don't mean like a, I mean like economic equality Mm -hmm. and it's not advocating for something like communism or socialism. I hear those words thrown around so much and it drives me nuts because it's, it's like hyperbolic, you know, a lot of the time, but, uh, yeah. So, whatever I was saying, whatever my train of thought there, whatever that was, um, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. Lost it. That's the problem with the glass of wine. Um, you know, well, I do want to touch on something before you move on yes, because, because I could do that very quickly. You've kind of been dancing around it, <laughs> but it's this, you know, people don't want to trust. Mm-hmm. And there is a very good reason for that, because we've been given many reasons not to trust. You look at food industry and our pharmaceutical industry, like the U.S.'s pharmaceutical industry. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't we the only nation in the world who can advertise? Yeah, which is true. The way that we do without restriction for pharmaceuticals. And we've had pharmaceutical companies and certain families cause opioid crises. Yeah. And there have been a lot of studies done on foods and we've been told, well, these foods are healthy now. And a lot of those studies have either been paid for or nudged in some way by that food industry. industry. So there are very legitimate reasons people are not trusting. Yeah. But the problem with that is perhaps in the education system, but people are not taught how to critically think and how to sift through all this information. And I've seen a really big reaction against this, the liberal elite, like education. And there is something to that because Mm -hmm. there are very elitist educational systems. But there is also the reality that the more, you know, the more, you know, the better. Yeah. Or you, and there's a reaction against wanting to learn how to know more. And, in a way that is beneficial to you. Right. But I, I feel like I could tie it back. What you're saying, I could tie it back indirectly to like what my point was that it, it really is like a point in time where we have so much information, we're unsure to what to do with it. And I truly believe we're not equipped to do it at the moment, but well, also we're not. And right. But there's also this like accumulation of wealth now, like that, really in a in a period of time where you know i get it why people opine for a different time where my dad could work and my mom could stay home in a house that we owned with three kids right that's a crazy time we'll never have that but i think people that have lived in that time or or a couple of years younger um there there's a rapid transition that that has happened where that wealth has been so accumulated that it really touches every block of people on a bell curve. Right. And, and you can tie all this unrest, this anger, this moving of goalposts, this looking for the boogeyman that, that it comes out in weird ways. It comes out in hyperbole, like that communist Joe Biden, right? (laughs) The dude is literally just a left-leaning product of neoliberalism from Reagan. Mm-hmm. That it's it like 
Eisenhower and Nixon were equally as left-leaning, if not probably more under the FDR democratic model, right? So it, I think there's just this, this economic tension I think is a real thing and it permeates even to people and couples and families that have a lot. Um, and maybe that's a product of culture, right? Like our GDP is just like a consumer based GDP, but anyway, yeah. I don't know that that was, was no, my it's thought, true. But. And it's, it's funny that you, you bring up people shouting, shutting wool for communism because it's the same people that have, I'm 90% sure have never even read the communist manifesto. Mm. You know, there's, it's just very interesting. And I think it's also interesting that we're at a, at a time where our, our parents or maybe some of our grandparents grew up in the cold war. And there was a lot of distrust of the Soviets, the communists, the, the red scare. And, and now you have those same people saying, well, you know, Putin has a point and it's like, <laughs> dude, we've, we've come full circle. Yeah. It, it, it I, you know, that's just the point. I mean, it's like the theme of what we've been saying when you talk about hard right, hard left, full circle. If we really did run the circle in opposite directions, we'd run right into each other. And even in just logic today, it, it, it's like a horrible fashion trend that comes like bucket hats are coming back. Like I have a bucket hat for fishing, but I think of my poppy every time. I put it on and it's not flattering. Like, yeah, he looked really good in this bucket hat, right? It's just like utility, but now they're coming back and it was like a nineties fashion. Right. And it's like, you know, bad ideas and bad fashion do come full circle at some point. Um, it just is, it's just interesting from an ideological spectrum. If they went opposite directions, they'd run right into each other. I mean, they're not going to chase each other. So, it's like the the question then is, are we doomed? <laughs> and I don't think we can make that prediction, but I just hope bad ideas die out. Be sort of like, and I'm going to pick on the right. I'm just going to do it. Trying to find something that inflames and angers, right? So culture war stuff, banning specific people that make up maybe 0.000%, 1% of the population. Uh, are, there, are there good arguments to be made? Are there interesting conversations to be had? Absolutely. But like, it's a pretty amazing, extraordinary leap to just ban people, right? Like, and I, I wonder if we're gonna move through a couple years of just like really bad ideas to see what sticks, or if this is going to be a trend because it's a group of people that are realizing that they're grasping at the final straws of a sort of ethnocentric state or like a, a country that has been dominated by white guys for a really long time, right? And all of a sudden we see that that could change. But instead of just being reasonable and, and adapting and really embracing change and... Uh, it's not really happening right now. I can't. Well, this, uh, we'll pull some art history back in here, but fear mongering has always been an extremely effective method of controlling populations. If you make a population afraid of something, they're much easier to maneuver in ways you want them maneuvered. And so, so what are the strings people that, may think? Oh, go ahead. Go, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. People. So people may think that I am just, you know, left leaning. She studied art history. She's in the, the, the humanities. I also grew up in, in Houston, Texas to a father who was born in Houston in 1942. Who's also white in a conservative Christian church. So I didn't grow up with quite so much information. So I've seen it from the inside, mm -hmm. we could say. Um, but you also see it throughout history. And there are, like it or not, and people who do marketing know this, and you can you can look at the Chinese Communist Party and their, their propaganda machine, but it's showing people a message and getting them to believe it is way easier than you would think. And it's also a great way to play smoke and mirrors. Because if you have a 
society so inflamed about human rights, whatever side you think you're on and you, you spin it in a way that, you know, as an art historian, I read a lot into things like pro-choice and pro-life. No one's going to say anti-life or anti-choice. And these are very deliberate decisions that are being made. They also keep people's attention. And while you have people focused on that, you can slip things in on the back end, get things passed, which can be a useful tool to keep people distracted and get, you know, bipartisan bills passed because no one's paying attention to kind of put pressure on their representatives to, oh, don't you dare side with each other. But it's also used to get other things done. Yeah. Which I, economically benefit maybe said people. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's pretty interesting when you, you start applying what you're saying to like right now. Like, wow. Okay. I see kind of what's going on. But I don't know. I feel for like as, as hyper aware as everyone feels like they are today, whether it's, and look, I'm, I, I'm not saying things like microaggressions. Like we think of this stuff. I mean, this was like seven years ago where this, or maybe five years ago, six years ago, when this stuff started coming out, like the woke, I, I, you know, like. Which has also been taken and just run with. Sure. But yeah, exactly. Um, there's just like pieces of, of both sides that you wonder what's going to stand sort of the test of like its validity and its pri- its true priority to like culture, right? Or if it's just sort of a something to be upset about um, because we're not making progress somewhere else or, or you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. Uh, I've been upset. I, I can say um, I've, I've been annoyed, I suppose, at as being more left leaning likely to, to, to so for some of the outrage to the, to the left. But also I think I don't want to be, I don't want to, I, I want to be careful that I'm not looking overlooking something that could be insidious, right? Like just this sort of slow trick trickle of free speech, right? Because there are spectrums on the left and the right that ultimately come full circle. If they go the opposite directions, they're the same thing, but they just got there a different way. And so their flavor of authoritarianism is just slightly different. Um, yeah. Like China is, it's a different type of state that a more right leaning authoritarian would, would travel. You know, maybe there's like some religiosity sprinkled in with the right leaning thing, like sort of like India, if they're not careful that, that is that direction you go. Uh, but then there's communist China and they, they, they're just very different authoritarian states caste systems are just very different but um but i'm always curious like what what thing that both sides are super outraged about is just going to sort of poof and it's not going to be a big deal uh and other things that stick so i don't know and who cares who maybe it doesn't matter but i don't know i always just find that interesting and makes it difficult sometimes to keep up but i don't know in the spirit of some civil right lead, civil rights leaders as of recent, you know, I think justice just justice does sort of have its time, but it takes time, and that's paraphrasing, quite frankly. But I don't know. We've we've had lots of conversations about this stuff. It's tough when you have your first podcast episode because, and I can say that because it's been a minute since I've done one, like in in cadence. Uh, that you have so much stuff to say and it never quite is as succinct sometimes in precast because you're just like formulating ideas. And then by the time you start doing your podcast episode, you're all over the place. But I do think we had some good through lines today and I want to give you a chance to respond to anything I just said, but we do have women in power quiz and it's 20 questions, so it's going to take a little bit of time. So, do we should we jump into Women in Power? Yeah, just don't hold it against me. You're the art. Okay, here we go. Let's try. All right. Um, oh, my God. Okay. This Liberian president. Oh, dude. Absolutely not. Okay. Should we, like, do a different? I thought this. Oh, God. Okay. 
Um, the Lib- this Liberian pr- president was the first woman to be elected head of state of an African country. It doesn't even allow us. Well, it's Liberian, but I. Oh, dude. We're just going to pick one here. Is it multiple choice? Yeah, it's definitely multiple choice. Oh, yeah, I was definitely wrong. Okay, that was my bad. Yikes. You could have All just right. told us you got it right and moved on. Okay, uh, which <laughs> Russian empress led a successful rebellion against her husband, Peter III, to come to power? Elizabeth I, Alexandra, Anna, or Catherine the Great? I'm going to go with Catherine the Great. I think Catherine the Great sounds right. We were right. I okay. love that. She was the empress of Russia for 34 years. Love it. Okay. Which ruler of the Holy Roman Empire led Austria, you're drinking Austrian rosé, through the war of the Austrian secession and the Seven Years' War? Constance, Maria Theresa, Isabella II, or Matilda? Constance... Maria, I want to go with Isabella the second. I also want to go with Isabella. Okay, we got five seconds. We're going to go for it. Isabella. No, Maria <gasps> Teresa. Sorry, Maria. Mm. Despite facing military superior opponents, she maintained the bulk of the Has- Habsburg territory. Wow. Okay. Who rose from concubinage well, to become the Empress of China during the Tang Dynasty? Uh, yeah. We're just going to pick one of those. Oh, no. What, what are the answers? Um, we could do... Uh, I can't even pronounce that. C-I-X-I or W-U-H-O-U or G-A-O-H-O-U or C-I apostrophe A-N. I don't know. I, I like the last Gao, one. You like... Okay. So I liked Gao Who... who? Which I'm do that, I do that one. I did, and it was wrong. Oh. It's 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 the W A W U H O U. Wow. Yeah. I'll take it. Okay. Maybe we should send in some Chinese. Oof. Yeah. Oh, it's another one. Which member? Which member of the the king the the um, King Dynasty began to modernize China in the late 19th century? Um, some familiar names here, but a new last name of H U. Dude, we need to pick a different quiz. This is embarrassing. We're gonna pick a different one. We're gonna brush up. We're gonna brush up on our on our Chinese, apparently. Apparently, uh, but our women in history quiz that isn't even fun. If I was listening to this episode right now, I would literally be like, "This is the worst idea." And I do want it to maintain uh, its good idea ness. Okay, let's. We could do who said it famous quote quizzes. That could be fun. Uh, we could do monsters, ghouls, and ghosts. That's not really with the theme of the Britannica. Come on. Um, where on earth is that? I think it's probably a picture. Oh, what does that symbol mean? But you can't see it. Should we do... Um, I guess I could share it with you. Let's see if I can do this. Let's see. I can't. All right. It's like a really fun game of Pictionary. It is. Okay. Maybe we should do a... Let's do Who Said It. Oh, well, I can see your screen now. Oh, you can? I can. Well, let's do it. Okay. I don't know if anyone else can. We have started. Okay. The question is, I came, I saw, I conquered. And no, that's not Hillary Clinton. It was either Dwight Eisenhower, Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, or Steve Jobs. It sounds Alexander-y. It does. Should we go with that? Do it. Julius Caesar. This is a translation of Vini Vidi Visi, the pithy Latin slogan Julius Caesar. Caesar coined to brag about the speed of his victory over the kingdom of Pontus, naturally. Okay, well, we were wrong. Oh, we should own this one. I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. This was either George Foreman, Napoleon... The first, Julius Caesar or J. Robert Oppenheimer. I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Well, those that's a Indian goddess, right? But it is Oppenheimer. It uh, is. When the it makes me want to choose George Foreman just to be contrarian. Dude, that's awesome. Just be a boxer. <laughs> All right. So good job. 
the world will little will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. This was Abraham Lincoln, Ben Franklin, Vince Lombardi, or Thomas Edison. It was Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. Gettysburg. I still remember memorizing that. Did you speech. did you actually have it memorized? I did. Wow. It's good. Uh God does not play dice. Albert Einstein, Frankie Sinatra, George Washington, or Pope John Paul II. God does not play dice. I, that could be like philosophical, like an Albert Einstein kind of thing. It could be Einstein or a Pope. But he would be against which one are we gonna do? We do Einstein? Sure. Okay. I like the Ooh, guy. Ooh, look at that. He didn't agree with every aspect of quantum mechanics, a scientific theory that says the world of atoms and subatomic particles are governed by probabilities instead of certainties. That makes sense. All right. Science. The report of my death was exaggerated. Elvis Presley, Mark Twain, Napoleon I, or Ronald Reagan? That sounds like a... Mark Twain? It sounds like a Mark Twain, but it could Could have been Reagan because he was shot, right? uh, Reagan. Sure. That's totally going to be Mark Twain. All right, here we go. Uh, Oh, it is Mark Twain. Hey. Oh, my God. Of course it was Mark Twain. What were we thinking? All right. (laughs) It was my first So the whole Mark Twain thing was, uh, it was his cousin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, float like a bee, sting like a butterfly. Okay, Muhammad Ali. That's a gimme. (laughs) Uh, We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock was landed on us. Charles Cornwallis, Henry Ford, Brigham Young, or Malcolm X. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The lo- Malcolm the, X. The rock was landed on us. Y- yeah? Like, you're pretty sure? Well, it sounds like uh, I didn't choose to come here. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Okay, you're absolutely right. Hey, Got yeah. it. I was being super literal with Charles Cornwallis, but... <laughs> Okay, yeah, as uh, it, it was a as a metaphor to describe the plight of blacks in the United States. Okay. Um, give me liberty or give me death. Al Capone, Patrick Henry, Galileo, or Nelson Mandela. Gosh, we should get that one. Patrick Henry. Uh, I don't do drugs. I am drugs. John Lennon, David Lynch, Salvador Dali, or Karl Marx. That okay? Who do you think this is? I hope it's Dolly. But it mean, might be Lennon. It's got to be Dolly. What do you think? Uh, I just love Dolly's mustache. Let's give it to Five him. Five seconds. Okay. Yeah, it totally was. Okay. That 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 makes sense. Look at that. I have like an honorary degree in oh. quoting art. art <laughs> hey, in my defense, tests. I don't study Europe. That's fair enough. Okay. Oh, boy. People who boast about their IQs are losers. Stephen Hawking, Vince Lombardi, Donald Trump, or Pablo Picasso? (laughs) People who boast about their IQs are losers. That does seem like a Stephen Hawking kind of thing to say. But. Should we do Lombardi? uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think that sounds more Stephen Hawking. Go with. Okay. I was right. Uh, apparently he didn't have any idea what his IQ was. Hmm. Okay, a couple more questions. I think we're doing okay. Not uh, as okay. bad as I thought. Ask not what your country... Okay, that's a, that's a gimme. <laughs> JFK, next. The Ark... Wow. Did I not sort of paraphrase and totally butcher this quote in the podcast episode? The Ark of the Moral Universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Uh, or towards mutual grifting. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I hope that's not the way people construed it, but that was Martin Luther King Jr. Um, What does not kill me makes me stronger. Was this Frederick Nietzsche? Nietzsche? Uh, Nietzsche? Wait, why am I losing? Nietzsche. Yeah, Nietzsche. Jesus Christ. Theodore Roosevelt, Joey Chestnut, or Jonas Salk? I was going to say Tupac. But what does not kill me makes me stronger. Sounds Roosevelty. Or Roosevelt. That does sound Roosevelty. No. Ooh. Yep. He Nietzsche came up with it was with 
his book, Twilight of the Idols. Huh. Okay. Are you going to read mm. that? Should they make that? Was that going to be the Mod State Book Club? The next read? These, these quotes of- all sound like a, you know, bunch of European philosophers. Yeah. <laughs> and the U.S. heads of state. <laughs> all right. Hate the sinner and not the... S- Hate the sin and not the sinner. Bill Clinton, Dolly Parton, Bernie Madoff, or Gandhi? I think it's a Gandhi. Who's Gandhi? It kind of comes before all of them, right? Yeah, he does. Okay, Mm -hmm. we were right. All right, two two more. You want to, you want your, you want to take a go at the Latin there? Oof. Well, I can't see it. Oh. I see it. Six Semper Tyrannus. Neil Armstrong, John Wilkes Booth, George Washington, or what is clearly some either French or Roman Maximilian Robespierre. Do you think John Wilkes Booth like knew his Latin? Oh, it was him. It was John Wilkes Booth. Still more educated. Whoa. Shouted the Latin phrase, which means thus always to tyrants after he fatally shot Abraham Lincoln. Okay. That is dedication. Yeah. All right. When people show you who they are, believe them. Benedict Arnold, Andy Warhol, Sigmund Freud, or Oprah Winfrey. Is that Andy? Benedict Arnold. I feel like there was a Benedict. He didn't have like a... He didn't have a famous quote, right? He just did a bad thing. <laughs> I kind of right. want it to be him because right. that would be really funny. Let's do it. Uh, come on. Who was it? Was it Oprah? Oprah. I feel like she's not the first person who said that. Okay. That, I was just kind of going in like order, right? Like Benedict Arnold definitely could have said that. But then, Yeah. I don't know. Well, okay. Let's. I, I would like to fact check that. When people show you who they are, believe them. Well, you know what? I just happen to be at a Near computer. A Britannica. We're gonna look. Wow, that did not save that as the quote. I just copy and pasted V into the browser. So we're going to try one more time here. And it's not working. All right. We're going to fact check for the Hmm. next episode when people show you. Okay. So seeing our results. Okay. I think we did infinitely better than John and I did on the last quiz, but we did 11 out of 16. So actually not bad over 50%. I think I need to go back and look and see how poorly. I felt like we did like four out of 10, John and I. Um, but I'll take the 70%. That is. That's passing. It is passing. You get degrees. It is passing. It does get degrees. So we'll look for quizzes next week. Um, so that was the, well. MVP. well you know what? Before we finish, I would like to pull up that what? I think it was Maya Angelou who said that in conversation with Oprah. Oh, yeah. It was about that. Sorry, I didn't read that piece, but wouldn't oh, okay. it wouldn't have been Oprah then? It was with it was her interview or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just failed to leave. I didn't think it was that interesting, but you did validate what I read, so that's hey, two validation or one validation equals it. It must be fact, right? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, hey, look, we're at an hour. Uh, thanks for going on this like first episode ride with me. It will, I promise. You'll have more. Hopefully, I will talk less uh, in the future. But uh, because I think you're super interesting, and I'm I'm really glad you're here, and I appreciate you know your insight. And we're really happy again to have you on the Mod State team. And so, you know, if if you're still with us, the things to look forward to again, I reiterated in the uh, the the beginning of the podcast is this will evolve. Um, You will see us together with John. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that and the dynamic that you can bring um, to to the both of us. But then, you know, there are certain things that you're passionate about and we're happy to have the space that you can use this platform and be part of this family 
uh, to be able to talk about what you want to talk about. Because if there's anything I think both the left and the right are worried about is, well, maybe more vocally on one side, is that our First Amendment, the ability to say what we want to say um, as long as it is within these very, very wide boundaries of what you can say. Uh, and, and we're happy that you're here to do that. So okay. um, I'm not sure if we're going to just be us next time, but I hope that John and, you know, we'll, we'll get a schedule and get that, that on. But, uh, you know, we're going to bring our A game because we got to do better than 11 out of 16 for trivia next next uh next go around so um it's more than half it is more than half uh any final thoughts from you hey i got too many thoughts for one final one (laughs) good we'll cover it next time we'll we'll cover it next time there's always more so you know what thanks for tuning in uh thank you for being here and really until next time uh we'll see you